If you've been waiting, you can't make your mind up about buying the 10 DVD set Old Time Radio, now's the time. They'll be discontinued as of December 31st. Go to the oldtimeradiodvd.com today and place your order. Prices will never be any lower for this great set of Old Time Radio. Oldtimeradiodvd.com From across the nation and around the world, this is the Golden Days of Radio. Hi, this is Frank Percy inviting you to join me. Radio edition of the Golden Days of Radio. On this program, it's time to play my favorite quiz show again. It pays to be ignorant. When you eat garlic, you get lonesome. Correct. Pay that man $8. What is a miser? A man who eats mice. Correct. Pay that man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. Well, here we are again with that quiz program that is known far and wide for its nuisance value. We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think Lehigh Valley is Rudy Valley's sister. <laughs> first, first, we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled How to Wear Tight Shoes or What to Do in a Pinch. But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. I, I have a poem, Mr. Hart. Surprise. Yes, there was a young woman of priests whose nose spread all over her face so no one could kiss this unfortunate miss. There wasn't a suitable place. <laughs> Okay, next we have a woman. Next we next we have a woman who sent her picture to the Lonely Hearts Club, but they sent it back saying they weren't that lonely. <laughs> You've heard of three in one oil. Here is that three in one goyle, Miss Death Valley of nineteen forty four, Miss Lola McConnell. Mr. Howard, yes. did I tell you Gertie Hipple is getting a divorce from her husband? I see. What is she suing him for? I told you, divorce. I, I know. I mean, what are the grounds? She's suing him for flat feet. Well, uh, now, just a minute. She can't sue her husband just because he has flat feet. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, that's not what I mean. No. She's suing him because she found his feet in the wrong flat. In the wrong <laughs> Okay, Mr. Hart, pardon me. Did you notice that uh, most divorces are caused by married people? Oh, thank you, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on here. Next, we have a man. A man who the day he was born, the doctor said to his father, I'll only charge a half price. He isn't all there. But here he is. Here he is, the man who was least likely to be troubled by leap year, Mr. George Shelton. You know, Mr. Hart, I've been in misery all day long. That's My good. My feet keep killing me. Oh. Every time I walk, I have to groan. Do you always groan when you walk? No, only when I've got my shoes on the wrong feet. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> But hey, really, how, how did you uh, come to put your shoes on the wrong feet? Don, if I know, I must have my legs crossed when I put them on this morning. <laughs> Well, that would do it. Well, that's our weekly board of experts, folks. Tonight, our special guest is one who is well-known to all of you for his innumerable brilliant performances on stage, screen, and radio. That ever-popular Mr. Adolph Monju. 
Good evening, Mr. Monju, and I am indeed very pleased to meet you. Well, not being under oath, Mr. Howard, I don't mind saying I'm pleased to meet you. I see. Mr. <laughs> Monju, how did you happen to be on this program with us? Well, it uh, was raining, and I slipped into the first door I found open. I see. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, by the way, what program is this? Oh, <laughs> this is It Pays to Be Ignorant. Ye God. Head off, Mojo, and it pays to be ignorant. What will Cecil B. DeMille say? Will Cecil B. DeMille get the shirt off of me? Oh, I just love to see you without a shirt, Mr. Monfoo. <laughs> well, who is this Bobby Stark's girl of the Revolutionary War? Mr. Manju, that is the young lady that helped Betsy Ross make the first American flag. <laughs> that is Miss Lulu McConnell. Yeah, well, how do you do? How do you do, yeah, Mr. Manju? Yeah, how, <laughs> how do you do? Uh, uh, by the way, by the way, what is your net tonnage? <laughs> oh, it's so sweet of you to ask me, Mr. Manju. But, but what do you mean? Well, are you covered by Lloyd's of London? Lloyd's of London? Yes, to use an insurance term... Lloyd's can tell you the tonnage of any old mud scow. Oh, my. <laughs> on, the other, on the other side of Miss McConnell, Mr. Monju, if you can see around her, is Mr. George Shelton. Ah, hello, Mr. Banjo. Banjo. <laughs> Banjo. You know, you know what, Banjo, I get to see you in all your pictures. Boy, you are terrific. I saw the mask of Demetrius. Oh, I thought you were great in that. You were rather... Well, you were sensational. Uh, thank you, but I was not in the mask of Demetrius. That was Sidney Greenstreet. You know, I thought you looked thinner. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Manju, uh, my, my name is Harry McNaughton. H how do you do? How do you do? I must say you dress Natalie. Well, suppose he does. Natalie's probably a very nice girl. <laughs> Okay, here is the first question. Let's get on here. Mr. Manju, if you feel you can answer any of the questions, go right ahead and speak up. You're among friends. Who's friends? Who's friends? <laughs> well, that is a good question. <laughs> what, uh, what was the question, Mr. Howard? I haven't come to the question yet. <laughs> well, then, if you haven't come to it, how do you know it's a good question? No, I just said Mr. Manju's question was a good one. Well, what question? Uh, Mr. Manju just... And who's friends? Who's friends? That's a silly question. Okay. Who's friends? We're all friends. Yeah. Well, uh, leave me out of it, Mr. Sheldon. All right, Banjo, old boy. Now, here, here is the first question. I'll see if you can get it. Uh, for what meal, for what meal do we wear a dinner jacket? Now, that ought to be right up Mr. Monju's alley. You mean Mr. Monju eats in an alley? Yeah, no. <laughs> The question is about clothes. Clothes? Oh, I just love clothes. Yeah, well, Mr. Manju happens to be an authority on clothes. He is? Oh, tell me, honey. How do you like this dress I have on? Haven't you got your neck through one of the sleeves? <laughs> well, I made this dress myself out of odds and ends. Well, it certainly looks odd when it ends. <laughs> Sort of mine, Mr. Monsieur. I bought it up on 59th Street. Well, uh, it's a little baggy around 42nd Street. <laughs> well, naturally, that's where I carry my laundry. All right, never mind. Can we please try and answer the question? You know, my own matters a lot of clothes. Okay. Yes, 14 coats, 12 hats, yeah. 10 muffers, Look. 8 overcoats, oh, yeah. but he only has one pair of pants. Yeah, well... <laughs> 
People don't usually leave their pants hanging in restaurants. Now, let's get on. Sport coat last week. Boy, it's a beauty. A sort of a fudge brown. Plain or with nuts? Plain. <laughs> I scream at that. I, I think, uh, speaking about sports coats, you know, I just got a new one myself. It's one of those new reversible sports coats, you know. One side is blue and the, and the other side is brown, you okay. see? Or, or is one side brown and the other side blue? Oh, yeah. Or is it the other way around? Oh, never mind. I don't care which way it was around. My, my old man bought me a new mint coat. Yeah. At least I thought it was me till the wind shifted. Till the wind shifted. <laughs> you know, I bought a new pair of pants today, paid 15 bucks for them. Well, what's the difference? No matter what you pay for pants, they all wear out at the end. They are. <laughs> Maybe this is going to be good. Again. Now let's try and get this next question. The, the, the other question was very simple. I don't see why you couldn't get it. What's the matter with you morons? Of all the scatterbrained nitwits and cheese skulls, you think you'd get one answer to the question, even though it was only by accident. I just remembered it was blue on one side oh, and brown on the other. Side. Uh, Mr. Howard. Yes? Mr. Howard, if I may make a suggestion, I don't think you handle the experts properly. Oh, you don't? No. Well, uh, do you have any ideas, Mr. Monju? Oh, yes, I have, Mr. Howard. I think you get excited too easily. You oh. flare up too quickly. You must treat these experts as you would children. I see. Treat them with kindness and understanding. Okay. And I'm sure you will get much better results. Uh, look, Mr. Monju, suppose you change places with me and let's see how your plan would work out. Well, I'd be delighted. Okay, you come down here and I'll get up there on the podium with the experts. Well, fine. This I gotta see. <laughs> this will be jolly, you know, isn't it? Well, how do you like that? I get a distinguished looking gentleman. <laughs> like Mr. Medgar's thing beside me, making my heart go pitter patter, and this old dried up pipe cleaner wants to change place. <laughs> Look, will you kindly take that big bulky package off my chair? What big bulky package? No, pardon me, it's just your hangover. <laughs> well, Mr. Howard, now that, uh, now that we've changed places and I'm in charge, I hope you will pay close attention to my method of handling the experts. I can hardly wait. Sir. You will notice that I, I will never raise my voice, say harsh things, or become impatient and excited. Oh, we yeah. Now, Mr. Roberts, uh, who is our first contestant? Well, Mr. Monjou, our first contestant this evening is Private First Class Oliver Hoffman of the United States Army. Well, uh, good evening, Oliver Hoffman, and welcome to It Pays to be Ignorant. How do you feel? Fine. Well, that's excellent. And uh, where is your hometown? Would you care to tell us? Frenchtown, New Jersey. Uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Wonderful. Frenchtown. Well, crush my fingers and call me shaky. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I used to work in that town. Well, that's, uh, that's splendid, Mr. Shelton. Yeah, I was a gardener in a dairy. You were a gardener in a dairy? Yeah, I used to water the milk. Oh. <laughs> 
Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton, I'm talking to our guest. You don't mind, do you, old fellow? No, I don't mind. Well, wait a minute. Where do you get that old fella stuff? Well, it's just a figure of speech, well, Mr. Shelton. Well, don't figure so much. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Hoffman. I'm sorry for the interruption. How long have you been in the service? Over two years. Well, congratulations. You know, Private, uh, Private Hoffman, I was in the last war. Mm-hmm. I was the champ of the camp. He means he was the drope of the trope. <laughs> Is that so, Mr. Howard? I'll have you know my company was so fond of me that one day they gave me a 21-gun salute. A 21-gun salute? Well, that yeah. was fine. Uh-huh, and they aimed it at me. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed uh, myself. Uh, Oliver Hoffman, what did you do before you entered the service? I was a postmaster of a first-class post office. Well, that's good. Now, where? <laughs> we are very, very happy to have you with us. Yeah, we sure are. What's your first name, honey? Oliver. What? Oliver. Oliver. Oliver, you heard him. Oliver. I didn't hear down here, and I know it now. Oliver, it's a cute name. Uh, Oliver, yes, yes. I love the name of Oliver. Oliver, <laughs> Oliver. Oh, I just love Oliver. <laughs> well, you, you can just call me Prune. Mm. I took her up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're always stewed. <laughs> Remember... Mr. Howard, remember what I said about kindness. Oh, pardon me. And now, young man, I wonder if I may impinge upon your very good nature and ask you to extract one of the slips of paper from the conical headpiece. Gee. Don't he use elegant language? Okay. <laughs> I wish I knew what he was talking about. And now that you are in possession of the paper, will you be kind enough to read the text imprinted thereupon? What precious metal is used in making a silver dollar? Yeah, that's right. What precious metal is used in making a silver dollar? Let me put that in simple language for you. What mined and refined ore is employed by the United States Mint in manufacturing a coin which is valued at one dollar as a medium of exchange? Mr. Shelton, we'll take the question in its original form. Uh What precious metal is used in making a silver dollar? Mr. Howard, please note the polite and patient manner with which I treat the experts. You'll be sorry. <laughs> Mr. Shelton, would you know the answer to the question? I'm afraid not, Mr. Menthol. Menthol. Uh, how about you, Miss McConnell? How about me what? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Would you know the answer to the question, Mr. Howard? Yeah, just leave me out of it, Mr. Manju. What about you, Mr. McNaughton? I don't think I can add anything to what has already been said. <laughs> You mean that none of you know the answer to such a simple question? You're getting the idea, Mr. Manjul. Well, of all the dumb idiots... Mr. Manjul, kindness, my boy, kindness. Kindness? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, Now then, experts, we have a question here. A very simple question. Now, we're not going to let a little easy question stump us, are we? Are we? Are we? Yes, yes. Well, of all the sappy, stupid bunch Easy, of... Mr. Manju, don't forget. Kindness, consideration, and kindness. Yes, but such a simple question. There's no reason to get so excited, Mr. Mongoose. We've been stumped by easier questions than that. Oh, <laughs> sure we have. I think, Mr. Mr. Manju, why, why don't you throw us a few hints? I'd like to throw you right out in the... Oh. All right. All right, now look. Here I have a silver dollar. Where? Well, I really haven't got one, but let's assume that I have. Here's a quarter. We'll say it's a silver dollar. Well, I wish I could make my landlady believe that. <laughs> I, I see what you mean, old boy. Miss McConnell, remember that dollar you loaned me last week? Sure. Well, here's a quarter. You see? And we'll assume it's a dollar. Now, now we're square. Now, wait a minute. 
Oh, this is terrible. Mr. Howard, I give up. Oh, no, I see. You can't answer the question either. Oh, not anybody. How do you expect us to answer the question when you don't know the answer? I know the answer. Well, what are you doing? Keep it a secret? I'm not keeping it a secret. And they said, Mom, what are you getting excited about? Who's excited? I'm not excited. Who's excited? And now, Mr. Howard, you get my idea. You take over now from here. Oh, no. Go right ahead. You're doing fine. Boy, did I stick my neck out. Look, <laughs> Mr. Manju, you introduced the orchestra at this point. Well, I don't mind that. I like music. Well, you hear our orchestra. <laughs> Gonna change your mind. Uh, next, ladies and gentlemen, we will hear from Dr. Novik and his orchestra playing excerpts from Carmen by Bizet. Yeah, that's just amazing. There they go. If I hadn't heard it with my own ears, I would never have believed it. <laughs> Do you call that music, Mr. Howard? No. How did you come to hire an orchestra like that? It was an election bet. <laughs> well, uh, what happens now? Well, we have another contestant now, Mr. Marshall. Well, at least they're intelligent. Yes, and this time we have a very lovely and charming young lady, same in first class, Glenn Mel of the Spars. How uh, how do you do, Miss Mel? Welcome to It Pays to be Ignorant. Where is your hometown? Would you care to tell us? Seattle, Washington. Oh, Seattle. Well, that's fine. I see. And how did a charming girl like you get mixed up in this goulash? <laughs> Please, Mr. Manju, you're speaking about the goulash I love. <laughs> Mr. Manju, uh, pardon me for saying so. I watch you a very charming girl, aren't she? Oh, yes, yes, she is. So different from the girls I know. You're... Well, how is she... How is she different? Well, you can take uh, take this lady out in the daylight. Take her out there. <laughs> you know, I have a girl. Oh, I got a nice girl. But I don't seem to be able to make an impression on her. Well, perhaps you don't treat her right. You yeah? should be very romantic. Uh, watch how the birds make love. You mean I should feed her worms? <laughs> I hope we're not boring you, Miss Mel. She looks so nice in her uniform. I wonder how I look in a uniform like that. An army truck. <laughs> now, uh, in order to stop this horseplay, Miss Mel, would you reach into the dunce cap and pick out a question for us, please? And uh, would you read the question? Name the two famous lovers in Shakespearean's play, Romeo and Juliet. No, 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 no coaching, no coaching for the audience, please. Thank you. Name the two lovers in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, now, folks, Mr. Howard, we'll take over from here. No, I'm doing all right. I'm having a swell time. Go right ahead. Go all on. right, I'll try again. Name the two lovers in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. Heather McGee and Molly. No. <laughs> hey, Mr. McNaughton, you have a point there. Yes, yes, he has, and it's on the top of his head. <laughs> well, now we can get on with the question. What was the question? The question is, name two lovers in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I love Shakespeare, you know. My favorites are King Lear and Ten Nights in a Bar Room. Ten Nights in a Bar Room. But Shakespeare did not write Ten Nights in a Bar Room. All right, you're so smart. How many nights did he write in a bar room? Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. McNaughton no doubt means twelfth night. All right, boy, twelve nights. I was only two nights off. <laughs> we 
are not interested in bar rooms. Speak for yourself, Mr. Mongoose. <laughs> no, uh, Miss McConnell, Shakespeare would have loved you. He probably did. Mr. Mongoose, come to think of it now, you know, the other side of that coat was green. Oh, why not? Will you cut it out, please? Please. Mr. McNaughton, do you suffer from insanity? Oh, dear, no. <laughs> I enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> this is beyond the human endurance. Oh, how about Romeo and Juliet? Someone wrote a play about them once, didn't they? So, you know, I have a brother-in-law named Romeo. He's up at Juliet right now doing three years. <laughs> enough, enough. You're killing me. What's the matter with you morons? Of all the scatterbrains and nitwits and cheese skulls, you'd think you'd get one of the answers right, if only by accident. What was the question, Mr. Mongoose? Let me out of here. I'll go mad. I tell you, I'll go mad. I'm going mad. <laughs> That was Mr. Adolph Manjul trying to be nice and kind to you nitwits. Well, yeah. he never even said goodbye to me. for finishing. And right here, ladies and gentlemen, I certainly wish to thank Mr. Adolph Menu for doing such a grand job with us here tonight. The voice of the world, the sound with the beat, the sound that lets you tap your feet, the radio, the sound of year-round pleasure, the sound of the news, rhythm and blues, this is Frank Brazil. You'll hear all the greatest stars and the greatest shows. That's right here. a girl like opening a bottle of olives. The first is hard to get, but the rest come easy. Correct. Pay that man eight dollars. <laughs> what is an organ recital? A bunch of women talking about their operations. Correct. Pay that man nine dollars because... It pays to be ignorant. <laughs> It's here again, that quiz program, which is the last word. But we're not permitted to mention the word. We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think the president's cabinet is a piece of furniture. First, first we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled 
New York Underground or how to change at Canal Street without getting lost. But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. I, I have a poem, Mr. Howard. Yeah. A poem. The I boy see. stood on the Brooklyn Bridge. He knew he had an altar. He took his shoes and stockings off, and his feet were in the water. Right. Longfellow. Longfellow. <laughs> all right, all right. Next we have a woman who never drinks anything stronger than pop, but pop will drink anything. <laughs> A woman, a woman who the day she was born, her father looked at her and says, Is you is or is you ain't a baby? <laughs> Here she is, the story with the fringe on top, Miss Lulu McConnell. You know, Mr. Howard, you're lucky to be a man these days. I am? Oh, you know, it's almost impossible to get stockings. Oh, yeah. I shopped all over. I finally bought a bottle of that stocking makeup. That's no good at all. It's no good? What's the matter with it? Well, I tried for an over an hour... But I just couldn't get my leg in the bottle. You couldn't. Miss <laughs> McConnell, you couldn't get your leg in a barrel. <laughs> Next we have a man. Next we have a man who is a constant reader of the hobo news. That's the. That's the only way he can keep, keep track of his family. A man with the face of a ten-year-old boy, but he's had it so long it's all wrinkled. Here he is, Mr. George Shelton. So, you know, Mr. Hart, I'm getting to be quite a prophet. Surprising. You're getting to be a prophet? Am I? You know, before I went to bed last night, I said to myself, well, tomorrow's another day. And when I woke up this morning... Well? Sure enough, it was. Hey, well, <laughs> Boy, that's producing, yes. huh? Too bad you woke up. Well, that's our regular... That's our regular board of experts. Our special guest tonight, we have with us that notice cartoonist, author, and after-dinner speaker, one of the stars of Can You Top This, Mr. Harry Hirschfield. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Hirschfield, and welcome to our quiz program. Thank you, Tom. Uh, it's a privilege, really, to be on this program. That Thanks. is up to now. Up to now, I think. <laughs> but you know, you know, when you say quiz program, you know how I feel on a quiz program? I, I, like I... Clancy. Clancy wanted to get a job in the city, so he had to go through a civil service examination. So they asked him a lot of questions. He went through the questions the best he could. He just went, struggled through. Finally said, now, Clancy, here's the final and vital question. What does the Aurora Borealis mean? He says, it means I don't get the job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good, uh, Oh, I like that. That, oh, that remind, reminds me of a story. Oh, it reminds you of a story. Once there were two Irishmen. Yeah. Now there are millions of them. Oh, but it's... Story. Lord, please, cut it out. Now, Mr. Hirschfield, let me remind you, don't let anything remind you of another story. You get these nitwits started. Now, we, this is a quiz program, and we're here to answer questions. Bear in mind, this is not a comedy program. It's a serious thing. Here is the first question. What do they serve as a main course at a chicken dinner? Oh, I don't like chicken dinners. I yeah. don't like them. The feathers always get stuck on my teeth. Oh, I see. I see. It's too bad. I like chicken, you know, but I like the kind with sweaters on. Sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking about sweaters, my sister bought me a black sweater for my birthday not long ago. Yeah. I never saw a sweater stretch like that one did. 
First time I washed it, it stretched away down to my knees. Black sweaters always do that, you know. I the see. second time it was washed, a lady came up to me on the street and says, Pardon me, but I want to tell you how I enjoyed your sermon last Sunday at church. <laughs> you know? <laughs> George, yeah? that day reminds me of a story. There he goes again. <laughs> and he saw a girl he liked. So he went to uh, her home and he says... I like you, and I'm going to be engaged to you for a year. I want you to know I am very, very precise. When I say black, I don't mean white. When I say one year, I don't mean 51 weeks. I mean 52. And I'm going to call on you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I mean Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And when I call on you on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to call on you from 8 to 10. Not 7 to 9, 8 to 10. And when I call on you from 8 to 10 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will employ the whole time in making love. As this is Sunday, good night. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) That is very good, but I must remind you again, Mr. Hirschfield, that we don't care to hear stories. We have questions here, and we try to answer them. So let's uh, just uh, dispense with the stories. What was the question, Mr. Howard? Uh, Miss McConnell, have you got any brains? Why, have you, Mr. Howard? Have I? That's a good question. Who sent that in? All right, <laughs> The question is, what do they serve as the main course of the chicken dinner? Now, look, the answer is obvious. Obvious? I don't believe I've ever eaten any of that. I... <laughs> well, what, what does it taste like? Never mind. What do they serve as the main course of the chicken dinner? Oh, you know, I used to be an after-dinner speaker. Yeah, would that help? You were here. Yeah, what did you talk about? Oh, about ten minutes. You know the best after-dinner speech I think I ever heard? What was it? When the fellow says, put it all on one check. That is very enlightening. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good speech. My old man made an after-dinner speech last night at our house. Yeah, what did he say? He said, whoever cooked this meal, it's lousy. It's lousy. Who, Who did cook it? Uh, um, are there any other questions, Mr. Howard? Okay, never mind. You know, I, I do wish you wouldn't talk about food, Mr. Connell. I haven't been feeling so well lately. Everything I eat tastes like beans. What have you been eating? Beans. Beans. Thank you. Thank you. There's that orchestra again. You'd think that orchestra would improve a little bit, wouldn't you? Well, Mr. Howard, don't you know, old boy, music is good for the soul? Oh, I love music. It's good for the heel, too. I... Mr. Roberts, uh, what have we in the way of contestants tonight? Well, first by Mr. Howard, we have Private Frankie Falcone of the United States Army. Well... Private Falco, this is indeed a pleasure. How do you feel, sir? Oh, I feel fine. Well, that's great. Where is your hometown? Would you care to tell us? I come from Brooklyn. Brooklyn! Brooklyn! Well, well, spin me around and call me Topsy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to I used to work in that town. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a banker in a baker shop. You were a, you were a banker in a baker shop? Yeah, I used to handle the dough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's terrible. Mr. Sheldon, remind me to shave you some morning when I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, that, uh, Tom, 
That reminds me of the gag. Ah, oh, well, you'll <laughs> never see. A fellow goes into a barber shop, one of those wolves, you know. Wolves. And he gets in there, he calls for the manicure, he's working on his nails, and finally says, listen, Tut, how about you and I stepping out tonight? She says, I can't. I'm married. He says, well, can't you ask your husband if you can step out tonight? She says, ask him yourself. He's shaving you. <laughs> But please, I wonder if we can say something on this program that won't remind Mr. Hirschfield of a gag here. Well, that reminds me of a story. All right, right. please, Mr. Hirschfield. Pay no attention to him, will you, Private? How long have you been in the service? I've been in the Army six months now. Six months. Well, uh, more power to you, and congratulations, I'm sure. You know, I, I, uh, I, I was in the last war, yes. Yes, well, I'll never forget the time I went to Paris on a furlough. I met a Frenchman. Mm-hmm. He and I talked for over an hour, and the amazing thing is... I don't know a word of French. <laughs> and yet I understood every word he said. Oh, I don't believe that. How could that be? Perfectly simple, old boy. The Frenchman spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McCartan, I hope all your teeth fall out but one, and that stays in for a toothache. <laughs> now, let's get it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Carry on. Look, we have a guest. We have a guest standing here, so let's give him the respect he's entitled to. What did you do before you entered the service, Private? I was an assistant sales manager. An assistant sales manager? That's right. For a certain firm, what did you sell? Uh, well, we made telephones for ships. Uh, telephones for ships. Oh, I see. That's great. Telephones for ships. Uh, you a lot of nice connections that way. Uh, all right. <laughs> Mr. Howard! Yes? Are you going to sit up here with me like you did last week? I'm not going to sit up there with you like I did last week, say, no. Say, Mr. Howard, you know when you were up here last week beside Miss McConnell, you reminded me of that radio program. What radio program? Double or nothing. Double or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, with you sitting here beside me, we ought to look like a book I read once. Yeah, what was the name of the book? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how can you say that, Miss McConnell? I'm no beauty. Oh, cut it out, please. I don't know, Mr. Sheldon. I wouldn't say that. You know, I, I, I think you're pretty. You do? You're much prettier than Mr. Howard. Yeah. Well, is that good? Well, you cut it out, please. <laughs> I, I suppose you're on a furlough here in New York, or...? No, I'm stationed at the Long Island Post Office. Oh, you're stationed at the Long Island Post Office. Well, that's fine. That brings you right near home. That's right. That is wonderful. We're mighty glad to have you with us tonight, Private, I must say. Sure are. What's your first name, honey? Frankie. What? Frankie. 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 Yeah. Oh, Frankie. Oh. Well, you can just call me Teddy Bear. I like the hug. Yeah. And you, and you're just as fuzzy too. Well, you, uh, will you reach into the dunce cap there, Frankie, and pick out a question for us, please? And would you be kind enough to read the question? Just take your time and read it. What college has a stadium called the Yale Bowl? Very good. Please, no coaxing from the audience, please. You heard the question, what college has a stadium called the Yale Bowl? Mr. Howard, what's the name of the college? But uh, I'm asking you that. Oh, no, I asked you first. <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, why don't you take your head out and have it recapped? I tried to, but they told me the side walls were no good. I see. The question was, and still is, what college has a stadium called the Yale Bowl? Would you know, Mr. Sheldon? No, no, I would But I know plenty about Yale Locks, though. I see. I wouldn't know a thing about bowls. Naturally, Mr. Sheldon, you can't pick a bowl. Oh, my. 
Let's get on here. Mr. McNaughton, would you know what college has a Yale Bowl? To tell the truth, Mr. Hard, you see, I, I don't bowl much. You don't bowl much. <laughs> you don't bowl there, you play football there. Oh, you're wrong. I don't play football any place. I see. <laughs> I love football. I always go to football games. So you like football games, Miss McConnell, huh? No. I just go to see if the players will make a pass at me. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't I the one? The one, you're the whole stadium. <laughs> Is that so? Well, when I was a girl, I used to play on the girls' football team. Yeah. I was full back. Yeah. You're pretty full in the front, too. <laughs> no, Tom. That reminds that me... That reminds you of yes, the gag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in this Army uh, Notre Dame game, how hard tickets were to get? Yeah. Well, Max and Sam have never seen a football game, and they got in their car, rushing to the stadium, hoping they could still get tickets there. And as they were rushing at a terrific speed, a cop grabbed him and says, Get over! What's the rush? He says, Well, my friend Max and I, we want to rush to the stadium to see the football game before it's too late. We're too hoping we can get in. Cop says, I think I'll give you a ticket. He says, thanks. Have you got one for my friend also? <laughs> Marvelous, Mr. You know, I'll, I'll never forget the last football game I played in. Ah, oh, please. There I was, out on the 50-yard line. Uh-huh. What were you doing out there? Hanging up my socks. Hanging up your socks. <laughs> you know, I tried to play football, but I wasn't a good enough contortionist. Uh-huh. You have to be a contortionist to play football? Well, you have to be able to run around your own, your own end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fix that one. Yeah? <laughs> I tell you, you know, Miss McConnell would never make it. No, I imagine not. That was very good, Mr. Sheldon. Thank you, Mr. Next time you get a chance, stop in and see your dentist and have your bridge work fixed. I, uh, I'm also surprised that you, Mr. McNaughton, making a crack like that, an urban gentleman like you. Urban, that's a hat, ain't it? No, Urban, you're thinking of turban, Mr. Oh, Shelton. Oh. Sure, turban. Turban. What of a thing for cold. You just rub it on your chest. Turban, what are you talking about? Turban. Turban, kind and goose. Oh, cut it out, please. <laughs> turban, kind and goose, Grace. No. Look, that's turban. That's turban. Will you pardon me, Mr. Arthur, butting in here, but turban is a drink. A drink? Sure, haven't you ever heard anybody say, give me a drink of turban? Mr. Sheldon, that's bourbon. Oh, no, no, Mr. Howard. No, a bourbon is a sort of a car. You know, they use them in the country. I think they call them station wagons. Mr. McNaughton, that's a bourbon. A sort of a truck with low-slung, bulky body and a big seat. Now we're back to Miss McConnell again. Now, do we have another visitor, Mr. Roberts? Yes, we have, Mr. Howard, and we have a very lovely and charming young lady this time. Storekeeper third class, Vivian Elms of the Spar. Ah, how do you do, Miss Elms? How do you do, Miss Elms, and welcome to It Pays to Be Ignorant. Uh, we're mighty glad to have you it with us. It does pay, you know, it does pay to be uh, ignorant. You know that, don't you? Oh, you I've got a gag on that. Oh, you remind yeah. me of a story. I uh, to me, it's one of my favorite because it fits. I see. Uh, a fellow went on a boat, we call him uh, Ginsburg, and he goes on this boat, and when he goes to the dining salon, sitting at the table ahead of him at the same table is a Frenchman. And as Ginsburg comes to the table, the Frenchman gets up and says, Bon appetit. And he says, Ginsburg. <laughs> Every time he comes to the table, the Frenchman is there first. And he always gets up and says, Bon appetit. He says, Ginsburg. So Ginsburg goes to one of the officers and he says, 
What is this thing? Every time I come there, the Frenchman is sitting there. And every time I come there, he gets up and says, Bon Appetit. And I say, Ginsburg. Why, he says he's paying you a high compliment. He means good appetite. Oh, he says, that's fine. The next meal, Ginsburg is in first. He's sitting at the table. The Frenchman comes in. Ginsburg jumps up and says, Bon Appetit. And the Frenchman said, Ginsburg. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Hirschfield. Uh, we have a guest standing here. As I said, Miss Ellums, we're very glad to have you. Uh, and uh, may I ask you where your hometown is? Chicago. Chicago. Good for Chicago. <laughs> been, uh, been there many a time. Lovely place. Oh, she certainly has. <clears throat> she certainly has what? A lovely face. <laughs> I said place. Well, the place is all right, too. A place. <laughs> Mr. Sheldon, why don't you rent yourself out to a decoy as a duck hunter? Well, say, you know, that reminds me. There were two ducks once, and they used to run around with a couple of geese. Yes. And these geese used to live under an old porch. What kind of geese were they? They were porch geese. They were porch <laughs> Would you do us a favor at this point? Would you kindly help us out by reaching into the dunce cap there and picking out a question for us, if you will, please? And would you kindly read the question right into the microphone? What do they use when they stuff feather pillows? Did you hear the question, gentlemen? What the... What? No help from the audience. What do they use when they stuff feather pillows? Oh, that ought to be a soft question. That ought to be a soft question. <laughs> Mr. Howard, did you say feather pillows? Well, that's right. Oh, I like that question. <laughs> it tickles me. It tickles me. <laughs> Mr. Connell, do you know what they use when they stuff uh, feather pillows? Who wants to know? I want to know. What do you care what they're stuffed with as long as you're comfortable? I see. Miss McConnell, if I was your husband, I'd give you poison. You were my husband, I'd take it. You'd take it. <laughs> and without orange juice. And without orange juice. There, I said it. And I'm glad. All right, all right, Pat Daly, all right. Let's get on there. Uh, look, the question is about pillows. Let me give you a hint. Uh, they come from a bird. What kind of a bird? Oh, is there more than one kind? Oh, rather, yes. Yes, there's the canary, you know. And the canary. Then there's the canary. Don't, don't forget the canary, Mr. McDonald. That's right, the canary. Yes, yes. How many does that make, Mr. Hart? You know, that reminds me of a gag about oh, birds. Please, I'm not kidding. Please. There's a drunk, and the drunk sees a little skinny pigeon. He says, oh, a poor little skinny pigeon, he's... He's starving, a poor little skinny pigeon. So he staggers into a restaurant, gets some bread, and he starts to throw it to the bird, and the pigeon is eating it. And he's throwing it. There's a poor little starving pigeon. He's eating it. Finally, he says, I like the bread. He said, I say, how do you like the bread? How do you like the bread? Oh, he says, a poor little thing, a deaf and dumb pigeon. Before we call the whole thing quits, I'd like to thank our good friend Harry Hirschfield for adding to the fun tonight. Thank you, Harry Hirschfield, and give the rest of your gang our regard.
Here's a reminder about my book, Radio's Golden Years, A Visual Guide to the Stars and the Shows. It's an 8.5 by 11 size coffee table book featuring 254 of the most popular network radio programs from the great days of radio. Each page features a famous program with sensational artwork of the stars, plus a listing of the commercials, the networks, the orchestras, and the announcers. The foreword of the book is by the noted radio author and producer Norman Corwin, who points out some important facts about radio, things you may never have known. Some of the pages feature reproductions of the actual radio tickets to the shows. And in a few instances, you'll see a copy of a page of dialogue of the script. If you're a fan of old-time radio, you'll love my book. person lives the longest. A rich relative. Correct. Pay that man $8. How do you make antifreeze? Hide her pajamas. Correct. Pay that man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. May I present the star of our show, Mr. Tom Howard. Well, here is that quiz program that should be in the Hall of Fame because it's a bust. We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think an automat is something an automobile wipes its feet on. First, first we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled The Proper Time to Pick Watermelons or Watch on the Rhine. But... But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. I have a poem, Mr. Howard. I imagine. Yes. Stop and let the train go by. It only takes a minute. Your car starts off again in high, and better still, <laughs> you're in it. You're in it. <laughs> Very good advice, Mr. McCartney. Well, you know, it all depends on the brakes. Yeah, you know. I see what you mean. Yes. Okay. <laughs> next, next, we have a woman who, the day she was born, her father called up the insurance company and said, I want to report an accident. <laughs> a woman who is a great music lover. Here she is, Zorinsky, with her co- You know, Mr. Howard, I'm all tired out. I went shopping for a friend today. Well, that's the only way you'll get one. One? (laughs) Mrs. Hanks asked me to get her a bottle of perfume. Uh Uh-huh. What kind did you get? Tom Howard, number four. Ah, now, wait a minute. You mean they have a perfume named after Mr. Howard? Yes. You press the button... And a squirt comes out. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Drizzlepuss. That's very nice. Next, we have a man who was born on the 4th of July because his father wanted a little punk. A man... A man who used to be... A man who used to be nervous and jerky, but he's not nervous anymore. Mr. George Shelton. Now, you know, Mr. Hart, I went window shopping myself today. I see. I like to go along Fifth Avenue and look in at those pretty girls in the store windows. I see. They're not girls. They're dummies. What do you mean, dummies? They're not so dumb. You should see the mink coats they have on. I see. <laughs> well, now you have our regular board of experts, friends. 
tonight we are especially honored to have with us two people who need no introduction because they both know each other. None other than Ted Collins and Kate Smith. Mr. Collins and Miss Smith. We are indeed honored by this visit. Well, thank you, Mr. Howard. In a uh, remorseful sort of way, we're happy to be here. Uh-huh. I speak for Miss Smith, too. I see. Why does he have to speak for Kate Smith? Can't she talk? <laughs> Certainly she can talk, but only once a day. Only once a day? Every, every day at 12 o'clock, Kate Smith speaks. Thank you, George. <laughs> Thank you, George. Very good, Mr. Jellin. Sitting beside you there, Miss Smith, is my mother. Now, Miss... Miss Lulu McConnell. Well, if it isn't Miss Lulu McConnell in the flesh. Yeah, please, Miss Smith, uh, no loose talk. Uh, Say, Mr. Collins, I understand you you own a football team. Well, yes, I do. I own the Boston Yanks. More loose talk. More loose talk. I'm told, Mr. Collins, that when the players on your team run out onto the field, they each carry a bucket mop with them. Yes, a scrub team. A plane, a plane, Oh, Miss Smith, it's so nice to have a lady on the program with me. I get so lonesome. You're, you're still lonesome. <laughs> oh, I'll pay no attention to him, Miss Smith. His arteries are bothering him. Oh. You take an awful lot from Tom Howard, Lulu. I don't know why you do. Well, she's got an awful lot, Miss Smith. <laughs> oh, shut up, you old worn-out mop paddle. <laughs> I'm glad, Miss Smith, that you brought Mr. Collins with you. Such a nice gentleman. He has such a nice face. Yes, he has. He has an open face, hasn't he? Yeah, mm. open for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a human face, and I like human face. Why don't you get one? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, that's no way to speak to a lady. Who's talking about a lady? <laughs> Now, let's get on with the questions. As you know, Miss Smith and Mr. Collins, we try to answer questions on this program. And inviting you and Miss Smith up here, we figured you might help us with the answers. Tell me, Lulu, are the questions hard to answer? Yes, they are. But don't worry about it. If you answer them wrong, it's all right. Mr. Howard doesn't know the answers himself. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the first question. Pay strict attention. In the song, in the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas... I want you to tell me the color of the Christmas the singer is dreaming about. I like your dress, Miss Smith. Oh, thank you, Miss McConnell. I like your hair, particularly that new hairdo. Oh, you like my hair? Yes, yeah, I do. You better pull it down in front. Your scalp is showing. <laughs> All right, now? All right, let's get back to the question. Well, Mr. Howard, would you mind repeating the question? I'll be glad to. In, in the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, what is the color of the Christmas the singer is dreaming about? Well, thank you, sir. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed it. Thank Fine. you, sir. C- carry on. All right, Miss Smith. Uh, Miss Smith, uh, uh, in order to get the question across to these scatterbrains, I wonder if you would sing, well, just the chorus of the song for us. Why, certainly, Mr. Howard. I'd be very happy to, even though I have a bad cold. Can well, you sing this, Smith? Does well, she sing? Certainly she sing. I'll try, Miss McConnell. I'm dreaming of a boy. 
Orchestra had the music day. You didn't expect her to sing, did you? Well, I did not, and I want to uh, compliment Miss Smith on the song. Uh, what is amazing about it, Mr. Connell, or Mr. Collins, the orchestra <laughs> stopped at the same time Miss Smith day. That's something unusual. So strange, though, that they had the right key, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know how they got that. No, I don't either. Maybe they, maybe they found one guy in there was a musician. I don't know. That's well, I see your son's in the band there now, so I guess uh -huh. that's the answer. That must be that's it. That's it. That's Yes. Nevertheless, I think now. it was beautiful. Chip off the old block. Yes, that's it. Yes. I think Miss Smith sang it beautifully. You do? It was heavenly. It was thrilling. I see. It was a bit of all right. I thank you, Miss Bigard. Now then, what I want to know is, what was the color of the Christmas Miss Smith was dreaming about? You mean they had Christmases in color now? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, rather, Mr. Shelton, I remember I remember one Christmas I wasn't feeling very well. Yes? It was a blue Christmas. A blue Christmas. Yeah. Look, what do we usually have at Christmas time? Turkey. Turkeys, mister! I know that! Look, haven't any of you heard a person say sometime or other, Christmas would not be Christmas unless we had, uh, unless we had what? We had what? What's what? Oh, I know, Mr. Howard! You know? I know what it is! No! Thank you, Miss Smith! No! Oh, yes. you're wonderful, Miss Smith! Yes. How in the world did you get it? I just happened to be looking at Mr. Howard's hair, and that's what gave it to me. Oh. Yeah, the white-haired old buzzard. Okay. <laughs> just because there's a little snow on the roof doesn't mean there's no fire in the house. <laughs> Was it snowing up in the mountains? Oh, that's silly. How can it snow up? I mean, snow doesn't fall up. Well, it was snowing up in the mountains. It doesn't fall up any place. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe I can straighten this out. Yeah? You're sticking your neck out, Mr. Collins. What Mr. Shelton means is snow falls down up in the mountains. <laughs> Fall down up. Uh, look, now wait a minute. Well, the snow falls down here in New York, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes. Yes. What do you mean sometimes? Will you stay out of this? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean sometimes it falls down here and sometimes it doesn't. It always falls down here, doesn't it? Not always. Only when it's snowing. Only when it's snowing. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it isn't snowing, it couldn't be falling down. But it couldn't be falling up in the mountains either. <clears throat> Mr. McNaughton, if you were up in the mountains and it was snowing and you wrote to a friend down here, would you say it was snowing up here? No, not unless it was snowing. I know that! I know that! <laughs> you see, then I would say it's snowing here. Uh, well, how did I get into this thing? You see, if it snowed up, no one would have to shovel it. I see. <laughs> McNaughton, you are just two steps ahead of an idiot. Can I help it, old boy, if you walk slowly? No. That's... What happened to the question? Must have been snowed under, I guess. All right. Let's get on here. Can anyone tell me the color of snow? You know, Miss McConnell, I saw the most beautiful ensemble over on Madison Avenue the other day. You did? I certainly did. What color was it? Well, it was sort of a chartreuse and purple, and oh. it was really beautiful. Oh. Chartreuse mm. and purple? I never saw that kind of snow. Oh, wait a minute. Boy, that, that was beautiful. Yeah, that, must, that must be the color of it when it falls up. Uh, Let's get rid of this snow quest. Yeah, it's getting too deep for me. No uh, deep. Yeah. This is gonna be good. which features the best in all-time radio shows. You'll hear all the greatest stars and the greatest shows. Have we any confessions this evening, Mr. Roberts? Yes, we have, Mr. Howard. And first, I'd like to have you meet a gentleman from the United States Army, Private Norman Stephen of the United States Army Air Force. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's a pleasure, Private, to have you here with us. Where's your hometown, would you care to tell us? New York City, Mr. Howard. Oh, well, you're right at home. New York. Well, stump my toe and call me Limpy. Okay. But I used to work in that town. Now, look, Mr. Howard. Now, seriously. Does this kind of stuff go out on the air? Certainly it goes out on the air. Oh, Lord. Then I'll have to stop breathing. Don't blame you. Isn't Mr. Collins cute? I bet you like him. Miss Smith, do you like him, Miss Smith? Yeah. I like him. Yeah, 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 you like him. I think he's grand. Yeah, I just Everybody does. Yeah. Miss McConnell likes him because he wears pants. Yeah. (laughs) Pay no attention to Miss McConnell, uh, Private. We're glad. How long have you been in the service? Sir? How long have you been in the service? (laughs) Don't pay no attention to me. I don't 
Congratulations. I'll tell you no private Stephen. I I was an aviator in the last war. Yes. You know, I flew my own plane for over a year. Yeah, what happened? The rubber band broke. <laughs> Mr. McDonald, Mr. McDonald, will you please stop making an ace of yourself? Applause. Look, we're very we're very glad to have you with us, I'm sure. Yeah, what'd you say your first name was, honey? Norman, N-O-R-M-A-N. Norman. Norman. No. Oh, isn't that a cute... Isn't that sweet? Yes. He's a cute kid, too, ain't he? He sure is. <laughs> oh, isn't he sweet, Ooh, Mr. Smith? he certainly is a nice boy. <laughs> yeah. I'll split him with you. Ah, uh, wait a I'm only old once. I'm only old once. <laughs> oh, Norman, that's such a sweet name. Well, you can just call me Roller Coaster. Uh, I have lots of curves. You certainly have. And you're just as dippy, too. Private, <laughs> uh, will you reach into the dunce cap there and pick a question out for us, please? And when you get a hold of one, would you be kind enough to read the question? Just take your time and read it right into the microphone. If there are seven days in a week, how many days are there in a fortnight? That's very good. If there are seven days in a week, how many days are there in a fortnight? What's you... a fortnight, Miss McCall? Oh, that's the night after the third night. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now look. Now, that's a very simple question. It's a very simple question. Explain it to us, Ted. I can. I would like him to. Yes. Now, look. Our present calendar, consisting of a year, is divided into 12 months. Yes. Each month is divided into four weeks, mm -hmm. or a fraction thereof, to make up the amount of days allotted to each month. Yes. Now, each week, as we know, has seven days. Now, if you'll take two weeks and add the amount of days, you have the answer to the question. It's simply the rudiments of algebra, geometry, and trigonometry. Nothing to it at all. And Mr. Collins, that's fine, but what we want to know is what is a fortnight? <laughs> How many days are there in a fortnight? Four, Mr. Howard, four. Four? Is that right, Mr. Collins? Certainly not. That's wrong, Mr. Sheldon. <laughs> what? what makes you so dumb? I study night. I say. You think it's easy, huh? my operation, Miss Smith? No, Lulu, you did not. What about it? Cut that out, will you? The doctor did. The doctor, all right. The question is, if there are seven days in a week, how many days are there in a fortnight? I answer that question yeah, once. Yeah, but who knows what you're talking about? Look, haven't any of you ever gone to school? Oh, Look, why are you so nasty? I can't understand it. I'm not nasty, For a long time, you were on our program, and you didn't act this way. I you know. weren't so crotchety. But look, I was in a different element on your program. Well, thank you, sir. I, now I, I was understand. with educated people. That's here right. I with a bunch of morons here. I resent that. Mr. Howard, I went to school, old boy, and I had a little trouble with my teacher. You did? Yes, but I got her number. Uh -huh. You've got her oh. number? Yes, circle five, nine, five, nine, eight. <laughs> You're wrong. It's circle 5959. Nine. 
What'd you say your number was, Harry? Oh, Mr. Collins, please, I'm surprised at you. Uh, Did you ever have an operation, Miss Smith? No, I never have, Lulu. You didn't? Uh, oh, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> well, never having had an operation, I'm not missing anything. Very good. Well, I had a floating rib one. Miss oh, McConnell, my dear lady. Yeah. And when I say dear, I'm referring to your antlers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, teach it how to swim and shut up, will you? How many days out in a fortnight? Look, let me put it this way. If I lay seven eggs here and I lay seven eggs here... I don't think you can do it. Uh. <laughs> Maybe this is going to be good. Why? So whenever I heard that, he would not only turn in his grave, but he'd go dig himself a new one. Now. <laughs> Who is our next contestant, Mr. Roberts? Well, now, Mr. Howard, I'm happy to present to you a very charming young lady. Uh, Johnny Olnick, without... I know, she's <laughs> so charming. I'm just doing the same thing. A very lovely young lady who is yes. a wave in the United States Navy. Yes. We're very glad to have you with us, and I'm sure I could get a lot of nice information out of you, but we're a little pressed for time, so I'm going to ask you, would you do us a favor and reach into the dunce cap and pick out a question for us, if you will, please. Just take your time and read the question, if you will. Explain the fundamentals of the Darwin theory. <laughs> Explain the fundamentals of the Darwin uh, Mr. Roberts, would, yes, you, Mr. would you give our charming guest $25 and let's forget the whole thing, will you? <laughs> yes, Mr. Howard. And thank you a lot, uh, Mrs. Penny, for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I thank our two very distinguished guests, Kate Smith and Ted Collins, for being with us tonight. We were highly honored. Thank you, Kate Smith and Mr. Collins. What is a duck? A chicken with snowshoes on. Correct. Pay that man eight dollars. Does courtship make a fellow spoon? Yes, but marriage makes him fork over. Correct. Pay that man nine dollars because... It pays to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant. To be dead, to be dumb, to be ignorant It pays to be ignorant just like me Each week I earn six dollars My brain is terribly like But when there ain't no income Then there ain't no income tax So you see it pays to be again with that quiz program for all people over 35 who are still in the second grade. <laughs> we, we have a board of experts who are so dumb they think a nightmare is a milkman's horse. First, first we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a condensed version of the book, A Bell for Adana, entitled Bong. 
But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. Mr. McNaughton. I have a poem, Mr. Howard. I see. I stood on the bridge at midnight and the wind was full of air when somebody pulled the bridge away and left me standing there. <laughs> I got awfully wet, you know. All right. What is carried in a mail pouch? A mail pouch. Did you hear the question, Mr. McNaughton? Indeed I did, Mr. Howard, yes. I heard it just as distinctly as if you were right here in the studio with me. I see. Well, just to make sure, would you repeat it so I can make sure you heard it? Well, certainly. You said, uh, did you hear the question, Mr. McNaughton? I, I know, but what was the question? Well, ain't you supposed to know that? I know the question. Well, you're asking us for all the time. That's the whole trouble with Wait you. Wait a minute. Let the me... minute you get stuck, you blame it on us. Why? <laughs> Why don't you take your head apart and build yourself a bungalow? How many rooms? I don't... <laughs> Just a that. Mr. Connell, do you know what they carry in a mail pouch? Why should I know? I haven't got a pouch. That's what you think. <laughs> I didn't say you had a pouch. What do other people carry in their pouches? Their That's... eyes. Their eyes, I see. Besides, I don't go around asking people what they carry in their pouches. No. I'm no busybody. Yeah, you may not be busy, but you're a lot of body. Now, let's get on there. The question is, what is carried in pouches? Oh, I know, Mr. Howard. Kangaroos. No. Baby kangaroos. No, no, no. Well, say, did you hear about the baby kangaroo that ran away from its mother? No. Yes, and left her holding the bag. <laughs> Look, haven't any of you ever been to the post office? Post office? Oh, rather. Why, I was down there today. I wrote myself a letter. Huh? Yes, and went down to mail it. You wrote yourself a letter? Yes. What'd you say to yourself? I don't know. I won't get it till tomorrow. <laughs> I see in the paper where some woman out west is suing a hospital for operating on her husband. Yeah, on what ground? For opening up her mail. Uh -huh. <laughs> Are you dying? Uh -huh. I don't that is the corniest gag I ever heard. Hey, you know, talking about letters, I got a letter from my brother with $50 in it, but I had to send it back to him. Oh, really? Why do you have to send it back? Well, it said on the envelope, return in five days. <laughs> Listen, you three dead letters, we have a question here. What is carried in mail pouches? Mr. Sheldon, do you know what a pouch is? Do I know what a pouch? Certainly I do. We have a leather one in our boarding house. You do? Well, yeah. that's fine. Now, what do you carry in that pouch? Don't carry anything. I sleep on it. You sleep on it. <laughs> that's not a pouch. That's a couch. No, 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 Mr. Howard. I beg to differ. A couch, old boy, is a person who walks sort of stooped over. No, 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 no. That's slouch. Oh. oh, no. No, no. A slouch is a mean person. No, no, no. That's grouch. Grouch. You know, whistled up old crab who goes around napping at people and making nasty remarks. Now we're back to Mr. Howard again. Oh, Thank you, Mr. Roberts. Who are we tonight as our first contestant? Well, our first contestant tonight, Mr. Howard, is a gentleman from the United States Army, Corporal Jim Williamson. Wow! How do you do, Mr. Williamson? Now, welcome to our program. It certainly is nice to have you with us. How do you feel, sir? Fine time, thank you. Well, that's really fine. Where is your hometown, would you care to tell us? Chicago. Oh, Chicago, Illinois. The lady Chicago. 
Well, muss my hair and call me fuzzy. Yes. I used to, I used to work in that town, Todd. I was a tailor in a lawyer's office. You, you, uh, you were a tailor in a lawyer's office. I used to press suits. <laughs> Tell them, Mr. Williams, uh, how long have you been in the service? 22 months, Tom. 22 months. Isn't that marvelous? And congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, so you know, Jim, uh, probably call you Jim, I uh, I was a dollar a year man in the last war. A dollar a year man? Mm, I was a buck private. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McMartin, you're an imbecile. Not only that, I've got fat feet. I see. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. Uh, uh, what did you do before you entered the service? I was an economist, Tom, in Chicago. Economist in Chicago. I imagine that would be very interesting work. Well, we are certainly very, very happy to have you with us. Yeah, what's your first name, honey? What's your first name? Jim. Oh, Jim. Jim. Cute name, isn't it? Cute name. Yeah, cute kid, too. All right. Oh, oh you sure is cute. No Chicago boys. Mm. Well, you can just call me Girdle. I get around. Yeah, you get around. <laughs> and you're always fight, too. Oh, would, you, uh, would you reach into the dunce cap there, Jim, and pick out a question for us, please? And would you be kind enough to read the question, if you will? What state is mentioned in the song, Carry Me Back to Old Virginia? <laughs> Very good. What state is mentioned in the song, Carry Me Back to Old Virginia? Mr. Howard, what is the question about? I just told you. Mm, I must have wax in my ears. Yeah, you have bees in your bonnet, too. <laughs> Boy, that's a honey. That's a honey. The question is about states. You know, Mr. Howard, when I went to school, I could mention every state in the Union. When you went to school, there were only 13 of them. <laughs> you know, Mr. Howard, I used to work for a farmer down in Virginia. You worked for a farmer? Mm. Did he have a daughter? Oh, did he rather? And every night he would say to me, leave the barn door open. Father's coming home with a load. <laughs> the name of Virginia. Oh, really? Was she nice? Was she? Virginia was real. Virginia. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd kill myself with those Yeah, things. you do. You knocked me out with that one. Virginia was real. <laughs> you know, my, my grandmother used to tell me about old Virginia. Ah, many of the time she told me about Virginia with all their beautiful girls dressed in hoop skirts and bustles. You know, I used to wear a bustle. You're, you're still wearing it, Miss McConnell. Oh, keep quiet. You wouldn't know a bustle from the mumps. Yeah, well, if that's the mumps, it must be the large economy size. Say, <laughs> Miss McConnell, when was the last time you were in Virginia? When Grant took Richmond, Mr. Jones. Oh, is that so? I've been there several times since then. Oh, you <laughs> My uncle lived in Virginia. He was also a great actor. I was see a Virginia ham. Uh, <laughs> yes, but we cured him. You cured him. <laughs> Look, we're drifting away from the question. We are? Now let's try and get back to it. It's a very simple question. You ought to be able to grab it very easily. Now pay attention. What state? 
What state is mentioned in the song, Carry Me Back to Old Virginia? Uh, who wrote the song? Ah, oh, please. I don't know who wrote the song. That's not the issue. Oh, I know that song. Issue is or issue ain't my favorite. That's Somebody ought to cut it out. There's nothing the matter with your radio, folks. The drummer just dropped his bridge work. Yes, we have, Mr. Howard, and a very lovely and charming young lady she is. Cadet Vera McGee of the Cadet Nurse Corps. Oh, how do you do? Well, that's fine. Uh, good evening, Cadet McGee, and welcome to a taste bigger. How do you do? What's that? Nice. Yes. I, I don't feel so good. Never mind. Pay <laughs> no attention to them, uh, Mr. Gee. Uh, how do you feel? Fine. Well, that's fine. You certainly do look. And where's your hometown? Would you care to tell us? My hometown is in Cottonville, Staten Island. Cottonville, Staten Island. That's very nice. You know, Mr. I used to work in that town. You said that before. Oh, a lot of nice girls over there in Cottonville. Yeah. You know, when I was over there, I had more girls than you could shake a stick at. I see. Did you enjoy that sort of thing, shaking sticks at girls? <laughs> No. Pay no attention, to him, uh, He's Mr. getting poisoned with me. Never mind, never mind. Uh, uh, how do you like to work in the service? Nursing is wonderful, Mr. Howard. I bet you say that as if you really meant it, and I'm sure you did. What did you uh, What did you do before you entered the service? I worked in the hospital. In the hospital? Uh, My, you're right at home, man. At nursing. Huh? Certainly. Uh, what kind of work did you do in the hospital? I was an attendant. Attendant? 
to uh, uh, to any particular branch of the hospital, to the executive end, or anything? Well, I was a nurse's attendant. Uh, a nurse's attendant? You mean you attended nurses? <laughs> Well, we are certainly very glad. Uh, I might ask you one more thing. How long have you been in the service? I've been a cadet nurse at Kings County Hospital for a year and a half now. A year and a half? That's well. A King County Hospital. That's out in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, out around... Uh... short and I thought we ought to have a little hand in there and I'm always sure of it when I mentioned Brooklyn. <laughs> See what I mean? Hey, Miss talking about Brooklyn. I was out with a girl the other night. She was a defense worker from Brooklyn. A, oh, defense, a defense worker? Yeah, I took her all over town, showed her all the sights and still she wasn't satisfied. And after I spent all my time on her. Oh, really? Well, what did she want? Time and a half. Time and a half. Well, why don't you take me out sometime? I used to be a cover girl. What? You used to be a what? A cover girl. Yeah, manhole cover. What do you mean? <laughs> In what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? No help, please, no help. In what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? Did you hear the question, Mr. McNaught? You want the truth, Mr. Howard? Certainly. I didn't hear the question. Go on. I simply just can't keep my eyes off Miss McGee. All right, never mind. What makes you fall in love with every girl you see? Every girl I see. I married you. Say, what was the question, Mr. Howard? All right, I'll give it to you again. In what town in Pennsylvania did Abraham Lincoln make his famous Gettysburg address? Oh, the same question. Yes, the same question. <laughs> well, who... Whose address are you looking for, Mr. Howard? Look, I'm not looking for anyone's address. I want to know what's down in Pennsylvania. Lincoln made his Gettysburg address. The address is irrelevant. Irrelevant Pennsylvania? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, you have the lowest IQ I've ever seen. Can't help it. My suspenders broke. Ah. Say, <laughs> McNaughton, is it a large city? Well, I wouldn't say it was a large city. Why? Why wouldn't you say it was a large city? Well, because... Well, speak up, man. There's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Certainly not. You're among friends. You don't have to hide anything from us, Mr. Howard. Certainly not. I assure you, old boy, we'll treat it with the utmost confidence. Look, why don't you three join the cavalry and release three jackasses for active duty? <laughs>
Yes. Did you, did you know, or do you know Lincoln's Gettysburg address? No, no, I don't even know his telephone number. <laughs> Why don't you dial information? Why don't you stick your fingers in your ears and go bowling, Mr. McNaughton? Don't know any of you know anything about your country? I don't. I live in the city. You live in the city. I don't like the country. No. The woodpeckers keep me awake all night. I see. Why don't you sleep with your hat on? Look. <laughs> Mr. McConnell, don't you know what Lincoln said? No. I never tuned in on his program. <laughs> My dear young lady... Uh, let me rephrase that line. My dear lady, some people, some people grow up and spread good cheer. You just grew up and spread. <laughs> what was the question, Mr. Howard? All right, once more, in what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? Oh, the same question. Huh? Ain't that awful. Any schoolboy should know that. Oh, schoolboy. Well, do I remember my school days, yes. The teacher used to keep me after school. Because you didn't know the answers? No, because I did. <laughs> She used to look at me and say, Oh, McNaughton, you dog, you. <laughs> they call them wolves now. <laughs> you know, when I went to school, I fell down on a 25-word composition. You did really? How was that? She didn't know 25 words. <laughs> well, folks, Mr. Palazzi in the control room there is getting ready to push us off the air, so here is the young man here to tell you just what we mean when we say... It pays to be ignorant, to be dumb, to be dense, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. I took my girl to dinner. We had a wonderful feed. But they had to give my girl the check because I couldn't read. So you see, it pays to be ignorant. Have no brain, be a name, just be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. concludes this yesterday USA edition of the golden days of radio and my salute to the funniest comedy quiz show on the air it pays to be ignorant with Tom Howard, George Shelton Lula McConnell and Harry McNaughton this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me next time for more from radio's great shows this program came to you from Hollywood this is the worldwide leader in classic radio shows and personalities 